0: You're listening to another premier old-time radio program at pedango.com and also a proud member of the Blueberry community, another Humphrey Comardella production. Brian does not pay. <laughs> Well, come on in, blaster. I can't stop you now. You broke my arm, that's what. Uh. Roman Williams, you're under arrest. Charged with forgery, resisting officers of the law, and murder. Oh, murder, is it? Who did a murder, huh? You got a copper still at You'll find out in due time. All right, get off that floor now and come along. I demand proper medical attention. You can't prove no murder. You can't, because ain't got any copper silicate. No body of the crime. <laughs> In the interest of good citizenship and law enforcement, we present crime does not pay, based on the famous Metro Golden Bear series of court subjects. In just a moment, you will hear. A crime, featuring Parker Fennelly. There's little doubt that one of the major motives, if not the major motive back of crime, is greed. For instance... Norman Williams was a fairly prosperous farmer in a western state at the turn of the century. But Williams, deep in his heart, wanted far more than he had, and didn't particularly care how he obtained it. His neighbors and the good people of the town nearby thought of Williams as another ordinary decent citizen. That's how it happened that Ted Curtis, the owner and proprietor of Curtis' livery stable, barely gave the matter a second thought, The stormy night when Norman Williams turned up at the door of his establishment. Here. All right, now, all right. What's on your mind, mu- Williams? What are you doing out on a night like this? No time for talk, credit. My horse took it into his fool head to bolt on account of the thunder. Will you rent me a rig? Uh, you ought I'd to be, be... be putting up at the hotel. Will you lend me a rig? I'm getting home tonight, storm and all. Oh, all right, take it easy. No cause of temper. On inside, you can have the buckboard. That's good enough for a night like this. Uh, and give me a hand while I harness up for you. Hey, you are, Williams. There'll be five dollars payable now. I'll give you two. You want to get home tonight? I'm risking the horse and the buckboard. Five. Two and a half. Settle for three. Uh Yeah. Here's your three dollars. Yeah. Now, let me get out of here. Uh, still don't see why you had to have a rig. Take it easy now. Take it easy. Road's probably pretty bad out your way. I'm driving here. Get up, get up, get up. Well, don't lose that whip, cut me Nosey Parker, that one. Oh, there. Uh, oh, oh, up. All right, ladies. Climb aboard, and here we go. Thank you so much, Mr. Williams. Oh, I think nothing of it, ladies. You've gone to a deal of trouble for us. Wasn't necessary, really. Why well, didn't you say you had somebody out there with you? Oh, certainly. Get it. Get up. Get on. Who is that, Mr. Williams? Oh, just a livery stable fella. He's a busybody. Wants to know everything. I must say, Mr. Williams, you've been through a deal of trouble for two folks you never saw before they came off the train tonight. Well, you're going to be my neighbors, ain't you? least I can do is take to your house, night like this. You should have stayed at the hotel. Ah, that old flea bag. Tom Palmer, he owns that. Spends more time being county clerk. And the hotel shows it, too. Is it to our place, Mr. Williams? Why, just up the road piece, About a mile past my... Easy, boy. I Yeah, who's he? My brother. But, like you said, your father left you, the homesteader. That's right, Mr. Williams. <laughs> you say something, Mr. Williams? No, I was just thinking ain't much of a son and a brother to let his ma and his sister travel way out west all by themselves. Oh, Stanley's a good boy. He couldn't afford but two tickets. and still we'll have enough left for incidental. Oh, oh, oh yeah. City boy, city. Oh. Will we make it our place, Miss Williams? It's considerable out of your way, too. You're mighty nice to take such trouble. Why, matter of fact, ladies... If you wouldn't mind my hospitality, I'd be glad to put you up at my place tonight and take you over to yours in the morning. Oh, that'd be just more trouble. Or, yes, Ma. Well, Alma's probably right, Mr. Williams, that we'll be happy to accept your offer. Okay, Mr. Williams, you make a mighty good cup of coffee. Thank you, ma'am. It's got a nice place here, Miss Williams. Well, all you've seen of it, Miss Johnson, is the kitchen. And with burlap bags all over the floor, on account of the wet. Shows your niece, Mr. Williams. Well, I scratched what I've got out of the dirt. You know, this is rough country out here. Soil's none too good either. We heard it was very fertile. Yeah, and you heard wrong. It's a back-breaking job, getting a living here. Nothing for a couple of women. Yeah. unless, of course, unless you sell the place. But if the land's bad, who will buy? I would, seeing as how you're my neighbors and all. But what kind of a price, Mr. Williams? Oh, I couldn't give you much. Fifty cents an acre, maybe? Not much. Hardly pay our fare back home. Aren't you in an awful hurry to buy our place, Mr. Williams? Just a friendly offer, Miss Johnson. Maybe we should consider it, Alma. It's my land and I'm not selling. Not until I see it, anyhow. <laughs> well, nobody else will buy. And if you wait, my offer goes down to two bits an acre. You're trying to force a sale, Mr. Williams. All this hospitality is nothing but a come on. I'm telling you to sell. You understand? I'm a thief. And I won't sell. Yeah. What are you writing? Writing a bill of sale. That's good as a deed any time. And you to me for your homestead. I told you, Mr. Williams, I'm not selling my land. And I say you are. Now, sign your name right there. Oh, don't be frightened, Mother. This nasty old man doesn't scare me. Uh, I ain't worried about you, young lady. I can take care of you all right. But you might be worried about your mother. You wouldn't dare touch her. No? Who's to stop me? How do you like this? Oh! She killed her. Oh, no. Not it! Not it! I just knocked her out. Like I would a goat before I cut its throat. No. No, that knife. Will you sell that land? No. No, so you can't make me sell it. And don't you touch my mother. It, it's not the land. There's something on it. Sure, sure, but not on it Under it Oil And I'm the only one that knows What are you doing with my mother? The go of her hair, stop it I'm just putting her over on the burlap I wouldn't want to mess up my kitchen Now, are you selling? You wouldn't dare kill my mother What do I care? Nobody knows who you are or where you come from Your brother, he ain't got the money to get here And I can forge your name to the dossier just as easy as not. Now sign it. Sign it. I can't. Don't make me. Don't force me to. It's all we've got. Please. Stop. Let my mother alone. Just you watch. i Wake up. Come on, wake up. Uh, what's that? There's a shovel. There's a shovel. You are a sound sleeper, son. Oh, you. Are we almost there, conductor? I never saw anybody sleep like you do in these hard seats. Hey, what's all this about a shovel? I don't know. I've been dreaming. Goes so kind of like the wheels, doesn't it? Get a shovel, get a shovel. Funny much more time, son. Three, four minutes, we'll be in. Better get your bag out the platform. There's just a flag stop, you know, and he's blown for the crossing now. Come along, son. Reach me why anybody wants to come to this. out of the place, please. Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, are you Mr. Curtis? Yeah, yeah, I am. Why? Um, My name is Johnson, Stanley Johnson. You a drummer? No, I'm not telling you anything. What then? I'm looking for some information. A man at the station said you know everybody here about. Well, I guess I do. a feed, business, sides of the table. You're looking for somebody? Uh, Yes, my mother and my sister, Sarah and Alma Johnson. Nobody's with that name around here. But There must be. If I don't know them, they ain't here. But they came here four years ago. My father left them some land. Around here, you say? Yes. I bought their train tickets myself. What land? I believe it was called the Swenson Homestead. Norman Williams has that land. Filed a deed on it four years ago. Four years ago? Yeah, there was oil on it. it out after a while, but Williams turned himself a nice penny while it lasted. Four years ago? Miss Curtis, you're sure there never were any women named Johnson out here? Huh? My mother was a small woman. Gray hair, blue eyes. But my sister was tall and very strong. Hey wait a minute. Then you did know them? And yeah, not the fast, one, but I, I do recollect one night I had a bad storm. Seems like one four years ago, though. Go on, Mr. Curtis, go on. Well, Norm Williams got me out of bed, till his horse bolder. I had my buckboard. <laughs> I remember he must have wanted it bad. He paid three dollars. Old job went not what We've a dollar and a half. He drove out in a hurry. I remember now. I saw him in the light of a and the lightning, and he picked up two women who were waiting in the road for him. Were they named Johnson? Well, I don't know. I never saw him again. One was short, another was tall. I guess I remember because I thought at the time it was kind of funny him paying all that money and letting the women stand out there in the rain. Mr. Curtis, would you rent me a rig and give me directions to the old Swiss and Homestead? I'll drive you out there myself and charge you only $2. That's a deal. And could we take along a shovel? Yeah, (laughs) but for just just a hunch, something I thought of on the train. What do you think you'll find son? You sure do keep it that big and... How far down do you think you are at? Maybe four feet. Hey, look at this. Ain't hey, nothing but an old burlap bag. Yeah, I know. But look at it. Look. Yeah. Looks like somebody's been butchering a cow. So you think it's blood, too? Sure. It's blood. Are these animal hairs, Mr. Curtis? Well... Yeah. You must a gray-haired cow. You are long hair, Mr. Jones. Hey, you! What are you doing on my land? Wait a uh, minute. Don't tell him I'm Curtis! What's this all about, huh? You got no cause to be sawed on, Williams. Just this here, young fella. Hey. I've been demonstrating a new shovel to Mr. Curtis. Yeah. Yeah? Curtis has got plenty of his own land to dig on. You're lying. I resent that, sir. And I say get. You're trespassing here. Now get before I use my shotgun no, on you. Now, you got no call. I don't know you? what you're after, Curtis. But ever since you've been made deputy sheriff, you're just too blame nosy. Yeah. Now, you get off my land, both of you. Well, yeah, he's within his rights. Let's go. Yes, of course. Uh, what? Next time I find you here, I won't be firing over your head. You blame fool's going to get into trouble with that temple here one of these days. Yeah. In trouble now. But he doesn't know it yet. That's right. he in his right. No warrant. We were trusted. But I've got the burlap. Miss Curtis, you're driving me straight to your district attorney. under the seat of Henry Johnson and Ted Curtis drove to the county seat. The deputy sheriff brought them in to see the district attorney quickly. That gentleman listened to the story as Stanley told it and then stated flatly, Curtis, if you weren't here to vouch for Johnson's story, I'd think he was crazy. Well, I've known Norman Williams all my life. He's a respected citizen and well off since he struck that pool of oil. Yeah, it happened, sir. just like the young man says. May I ask a question? Go right ahead. Do you remember any of the details of William's getting title to the Swenson homestead? Well, nothing much. He filed a bill of sale in place of deed, if I remember correctly. Did anybody ever suspect there was oil hereabouts? Oh, from time to time, there's been a little. They had a well going over on the Myers place about ten years ago, and another on the Karaskeys. How did they find those sources? Uh, I remember about Joe Myers. <laughs> he was sinking a well for water, <laughs> and he got oil. And he surface indication. Well, sometimes a well or water hole will show an oil surface. Could Williams have noticed that on the Swenson property? He might have. Well owned it pretty freely freely up until the time he bought it. Uh, Right after he got it, he was pretty busy, though. He had a big brush fire going there one day. About four years ago, too, that was. Uh, brush fire? Now, now, don't go thinking about murder again, son. I'm sorry. After all, they were my mother and sister, you know. Young fellow, you seem pretty positive about all this. Well, maybe there isn't any evidence. But if it's all right with you, I'd like to examine that bill of sale. After all, I suppose if she is dead, I'm my sister's heir. I remember perfectly. Four years back. Seemed really irregular, but perfectly legal. Yeah, there I mean, it is. Letter, you see? Mm-hmm. Dear, dear Mr. Williams, Carrying out our agreement, this letter will advise all and sundry that the undersigned, for proper consideration, sells to you with all right and title to tract known as the Swenson Homestead, of which I am sole owner. Of record very truly yours, Alma Johnson. May I see that, Mister Palmer. Sure can. There's a stamp on it, registered. County Clerk, Kirk McConkey. I see that. But, oh, uh, gentlemen, as heaven is my witness. This is not my sister's handwriting. What you suggest in forgery, Mister Johnson? I know it. That land was all my mother and sister had in the world. They'd never sell it without consulting me first. And I know Alma's handwriting as I know my own. I see. Would you tell that to a grand jury, Mister Johnson? I tell them a lot more. I tell them Williams murdered my mother and my sister. Oh, easy, son, easy now. You'd have a hard time proving that. Why? There's blood and hair in that burlap bag. We don't even know if it's human blood, much less your family's. Then I say find out, make tests. I know I won't rest until the man who killed Alman, my mother, is made to pay for his crime. Yeah. Your Williams? You home? What me. William. For you. I don't want no visitors today. Come back tomorrow. Sorry, Williams. We're gonna see you now. Come on out, William. Oh, we'll come in. You don't come on my property, Ted British. We got a warrant. We come. have a warrant. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see you serve it, Sheriff. All right, Williams. You're under arrest. Hey, come and arrest me. The <laughs> house, Willie. Uh, No lawmen will get in here. Oh! Oh! All right, Williams, we are coming in. Come on, Blackie. I can't stop you now. You broke my arm, that's what. Gentlemen Williams, you're under arrest. Charged with forgery, resisting officers of the law, and murder. Oh, murder, is it? Who did I murder, huh? You got a corpus delicti? You'll find out in due time. All right, get off that phone now and come along. I demand proper medical attention. <laughs> you can't prove no murder, you can't. You ain't got any corpus delicti. No body of the crime. Mr. Johnson, you're on the road. You're certain that your mother and sister came to this town to take possession of the property known as the Swenson Homestead? I'm positive, sir. My father acquired the property years ago. He willed it to my sister. My mother and sister came here to live until such time as I could join them. I never saw them again. Mr. Curtis, the night of that storm four years ago... Did you see anyone besides Mr. Williams when you rented in the buttboard? I didn't know him, sir, but I did see two women by the light of my lantern and the flash of lightning. One was short and elderly. Now then, Dr. Sims, are you an expert on blood analysis? I am, sir. You (coughs) on the blood on the burlap bag marked exhibit A for the state. I did. And what did you find? I found it to be human blood beyond any doubt. Did it take uh, a large amount of blood to make that stain? No one could lose that much blood, <laughs> Doctor Sims. Please answer the next question carefully. We're attempting to set a precedent in this case, as the state has conceded that no actual corpus delicti has been found. Doctor Sims, about the gray hairs found on that burlap bag—they are human hairs, sir. Yes, and Doctor, did they come from the head of a living? Or dead person? The roots are still not a silk. Hair from a corpse, sir, never has the roots attached. Then as an expert witness, Dr. Sims, what are your conclusions? That there is evidence of a corpus delicti, even though none has been found. Someone was alive on the defendant's premises, and that someone was killed before he or she left. <laughs> This. Did you know the people you are accused of murdering? And did you murder them? I never saw them. I never killed no one. And nobody can prove that I did. But this county is going to pay through the nose for my broken arm. It is our contention, precedent-setting though it is, that through the brilliant microscopic analysis of Dr. Hannah Sims, we have proven that someone was murdered and by this defendant. True, as my learned colleague has emphasized so often, there is no actual corpus delicti. But we have evidence that one did exist, which was later destroyed in a certain brush fire on the defendant's property, if in no other way. On this evidence, we ask that your very... (laughs) Foreman, has the jury reached a verdict? We have, sir. And what is your verdict? We find the defendant guilty of murder in the first degree, and so say we all. You can't do this. You can't. I'll appeal to every court in the state. There wasn't no corpus. No corpus. You can't convict without a corpus. You can't convict without a corpus. (laughs) Parker Fennelly. The case of Norman Williams, as you heard it, is one of the famous cases in legal history. As might have been expected, his conviction was appealed all the way to the highest court of his state. And there it was upheld. And it's interesting to note that this case was a prime legal point in the conviction of Bruno Richard Hauptmann for the murder of the Lindbergh baby. However, to me, it's even more interesting that the wheels of the law were set in motion in this case by a plain citizen, a young man very much like ourselves who refused to believe that his mother and sister had merely disappeared. Once the law began to move, it never stopped. The truth had been proven in open court, demonstrating once again that crime does not pay. Thank you, Parker Fennelly. Does Not Play is written by Ira Marion and directed by Mark Z. Lowe, with music composed and conducted by John Garth. Technical advisor is Burton D. Turkis. The event characters, and names used in the story you've just heard are fictitious. Any similarity is purely coincidental.